John, we have a, a guest this week who's from a surprise first place team, Pirates general manager, Ben Sherrington. Yeah, I mean, everything's a surprise to me at this point with the records that we <laughs> see. That division's just upside down from the way I look at it. I thought the Cardinals would win it. Uh, I thought Pittsburgh would probably be fourth. Uh, ben Sherrington, a terrific general manager. He's doing a great job there. Uh, to me, it looks like a miracle. 20 and 10. Uh, they look like they're for real, and I am shocked. We'll ask him if they're for real. We'll ask about the extension with Brian Reynolds, a reunion with Andrew McCutcheon. John and I will dig deep on the returns of Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer to the Mets rotation. What's up with the Yankees and also Bryce Harper's return. That's if you stick with us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John, as we're sitting here, we're talking about the last place New York Yankees. Now, last place in the American League East at this moment is still an above 500 team. And most teams that are above 500, after a month, there's not the sky is falling. Those people obviously haven't spent a lot of time in New York City. Uh, there's a lot of worry about this, this club, injuries, offense. Should there be a lot of worries about this club? Well, there should be somewhere. I don't know about a lot. They started this way before and come out of it. Obviously, they've had a ton of injuries. You know, Rodon is still concerning. Uh, Severino seems to be on his way back. Obviously, Judge is a big loss, even for a few days. He didn't even want to go on the IL, and he'll be back soon. That, that That's going to make a big difference. So I'm not too concerned about the Yankees. Uh, we've been here before with them. I think if you look at the team every day, as we do, obviously there's some holes in that offense right now. But it's not once you have Judge and Stanton presumably uh, back, it doesn't take too much more. Rizzo's been good. Volpe looks like he's really coming around now and seems much more confident than when he started. Really going the other way, hitting home runs the other way, which he can do at Yankee Stadium, stealing a lot of bags. Uh, I'm not too worried about them. Yeah, the you know, our friend Jack Curry just this week had a book about the 1998 Yankees come out. Uh, uh, great book. Everyone should go get it. Uh, and it's as if it's the best team of all time. I, it's the 25th anniversary. That's why he wrote it. It's the 10 year anniversary of what I think is the worst Yankee team of the last 30 years since they started winning, which is the 2013 Yankees. 
And this club reminds me so much of it, John. If you remember, that club was devastated by injuries. Shara, Grandison, Jeter, the suspension cloud was hanging over A-Rod. The injuries went deeper than that. I actually think Joe Girardi did a great job with his bullpen, kind of figuring it out. They didn't make the playoffs, but they won like 85, 86 games still. And if you remember, it was all retread offense. Travis Hafner, Lyle Overbay, Vernon Wells, Ichiro, Kevin Euclid. It feels like that's where we are. And the reason I say it is, like, it isn't going to be a moment where the injuries stop, right? Like, Anthony Rizzo is an important part of the offense. At some point, his back is going to be a problem. It is every year now. Like, DJ LeMay is not making it through seasons. Uh, When Stanton comes back, a clock goes on for when does he leave again? And I just think they've left themselves vulnerable. And, John, I think you mentioned a key guy, and he's part of the key group. Volpe, Cabrera, Cabrera, and Peraza have to kind of be good right now. They need youth, they need energy, and they need quality. Yeah, I mean, obviously Cabrera has not hit like he did last year when we saw him. Uh, they do have a lot of guys who've had an injury history on that team. Uh, Bader, who we love him because he was on our podcast, uh, he certainly has an injury history. Donaldson, we'll see if he has anything left. He thought he did in spring training. We haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's an older team generally uh, to some degree, but you're right. Some of those young guys really have to come through. I, I have faith in Volpe that he will for sure. I, I feel pretty good about Cabrera as well. Uh, I still think this is a good team. Uh, once you feel some semblance of their, you know, hope for a uh, roster, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, Rodon, uh, I'm not sure where we're going to, when we're going to see him. We are going to see Severino soon. They need to figure out Schmidt. Uh, you know, the bullpen isn't as dominant as it has been in the past. And boy, Trevino's now down for the year. Uh, uh, Loisega is down for a long time. Um, you know, Canely, who you argued against signing, who knows when he's coming back. I argued so. against Rodon signing you also. Did. You know, it's, you did. Uh, I didn't like, I mean, obviously Judge, but I really didn't like their offseason. I didn't like them. You know, that Ben Attendee went out the door. Carpenter went out the door. They never really, you know, remember what the second half of offense was last year, John? It was like a 600 OPS for everyone who wasn't Aaron Judge. He literally carried the team. He had been injury-free pretty much for two years. You had to assume at some point he was going to need at least a pit stop. I mean, this whole team, to me, is Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge for 300-something, you know, $300 million almost payroll. They really need those two guys, and having one of them down really shows. Yeah, I mean, are they going to be a little bit like the Angels, a little top-heavy with two of the best players in the game? It's possible they could could end up like that. I wouldn't have signed Benintendi. I know Judge, who's now the captain and has more say than he had before, uh, suggested that they do sign Benintendi. But buy for $75 million, that that's a lot of money for a singles hitter. A good singles hitter and a good defender, I get it. They're still short in the outfield. They're still kind of really not producing from the outfield other than judge at all. And that that's an issue. Um, you know, it is, you bring up all the acquisitions over the winter and it goes back even before the winter to uh, last season. Uh, they seem to have acquired a lot of guys who get hurt. I, I you know, I think that's mostly bad luck. Uh, but I mean, Trevino now out Montas, we've barely seen him. And when we did, it wasn't very good. Uh, Canely injured Rodon injured, uh, they've got to be questioning themselves. Why, why do all the guys they acquire end up getting hurt? Yeah. It's a internal thing. You know, you mentioned age injury. 
you know, the other big story in New York this week is uh, as we're speaking, it's a Tuesday. The Mets are playing a doubleheader. Max Scherzer is back from a suspension. Uh, we'll start game two of that. And then the, um, a matinee. Uh, I'm sorry. We're talking on Wednesday. On Thursday, the matinee, Justin Verlander, first start as a New York Met. I want to give you a little thing that I, I noticed the last time that those two guys started on consecutive days as teammates was game one and two of the division series in 2014 against the Orioles. And their manager of the Orioles was, of course, Buck Showalter. They're back. They feel as important to the team as we thought all spring training and offseason once they were united. Where, where do you think we are with them, John? Yeah, I mean, I was there. I was at those games. That was a sweep that Detroit did not come away with. They lost. Um, you know, I'm worried about the Mets. I really am. And, and those are the key pieces of this team. I mean, they are two of the greatest pitchers of the last 50 years, Scherzer and Verlander. And if they're good, this should be a really good team. Uh, at this point, I, I feel better about Verlander, who hasn't even pitched, than Scherzer, because Scherzer had the side thing. I think the Rosin thing will get through that. But a lot of questions about Scherzer right now, which we didn't have before. And, I mean, Verlander looked good for the Rumble Ponies, and that's kind of what I'm banking on, that he looks good for the Rumble Ponies. I'm <laughs> saying he's the one I'm feeling better about right now, but they're the key to the team. I mean, they're two highest-paid players in the game, and they need them because, obviously, we Carrasco's out, Quintana is out for a while. Uh, you know, we've seen Peterson has now been sent down. Uh, McGill's been okay. Uh, you know, that rotation that was ranked number one by MLB.com, and I, I agreed. I, I thought it was, should be the top rotation. It's just not been that great to this point, and it has obviously has the potential to be great, and it's those two guys. They have to be great, Scherzer and Verlander. Yeah, I think you just wanted to use the term rumble ponies on our podcast. I like the rumble ponies. It's a good name. It's nice. You know, John, I think you hit upon something. I, I would say this. The Mets got through this first five weeks of the season above 500, still in connection with the Braves. And when you think about it, they lost the best closer in the game, the end of the game. And they lost their number one and two starter for like Verlander the whole year, like Diaz. Uh, to this point, and Scherzer for a couple of weeks here, and Scherzer really hasn't pitched like Scherzer, and they've held it together. I don't know how long they could hold that bullpen together unless they start getting certainty in innings from some rotation pieces. You mentioned Quintana isn't going to pitch until the second half. If then, I think Carrasco is going to try to get back in the rotation next week. But like, what do you get from from him? Senga, as we're speaking, is in like a 10 day hold because the Mets want to kind of get him as close to his, you know, once a week Japanese uh, style rotation stuff. You know, how does he get through the season? They kind of need Scherzer and Verlander to be close to peak Scherzer and Verlander and not just in October, but to get through this season without burning out that bullpen. First of all, I want to compliment you. You've got the pronunciation of Scherzer down properly, at least for a New Yorker. So that's I good needed for him you. to become a vet. <laughs> You're absolutely right on the bullpen. It's a big concern. I have Robertson has been fantastic. You know, they're going to have to count on him to be fantastic for the whole year, always pitching against the best hitters on the other team, whether it's the eighth inning or the ninth inning, generally as the closer out of Vino and Drew Smith. Should be very solid, but I mean, that's not a long list. You know, they've got a, a lot of guys who have been pretty good. Okay, maybe we've got hopes for Curtis, Br Brigham, uh, several guys in that category. And, uh, you know, it feels like they're going to need more. Obviously, Diaz, huge loss. Uh, best closer in the game right there with Hayter and Classe. Uh, and it was, diff It's you know, you can't just make up for them with, with 
with an acquisition, one acquisition, but I, I would say they're going to need to make some acquisitions uh, at the deadline to hold this together. They do not have enough in the pen right now, I don't think. Yeah, one person, another person who came back from injury this week, we get in Verlander, and the quickest ever from Tommy John surgery, about five months, is Bryce Harper returned on Tuesday night to the Nationals lineup against the Dodgers. Let's be honest, he and the, and the Phillies did not make, did I say the Nationals, I meant the Phillies if I said the Nationals. Uh, the Phillies lineup, uh, uh, they didn't make it easy. Julio Arias is one of the tougher left-handers in the sport. Harper was 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. John, let, let, obviously he'll have great impact when fully back to Bryce Harper. I know that this is a prideful athlete. He wants to kind of get back, et cetera. He feels responsibility. Do you feel at all that it is rushed just because you can get back in five months? Should you get back in five months? No. I mean, yes, just one day. Uh, you shouldn't have come back against Julio Urias, a left-hander. <laughs> no, they, they rushed him back one day. It wouldn't have been any shame in, in 161 days instead of 160 days. They could have waited one day and brought him back against the right-hander. Uh, assuming they're playing a right-hander now. Um, you know, I think he's going to be great. I think that lineup is the best in the game. You know, I'm not sure they're the best team, but fully healthy with Rio Muto and Turner and Schwarber and Harper. I mean, you got four of the best hitters in the game in one lineup. And, uh, you know, this is why I picked the Phillies in that division, right? I'm not looking that great right now, but uh, I think they're going to be great. I think he's fine. I think he knows when he's ready. He's ready, and even if he was 100% healthy or whatever, he still could go for four or three strikeouts against Julio Arias. Yeah, you know, I noticed, I I looked, uh, on the same night he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, people were asking, is he ready? Mike, Mike Trout went 0 for 5 with two strikeouts. Uh, uh, DJ LeMayu, who doesn't strike out a ton, he, well, a little more this year than normal, but doesn't, struck out three times. So, like, let's not use a singular game. And I do think their offense is going to be good. It's been a strange offense, John, because the Phillies, like all their OPS, plus you mentioned a lot of their good players, like Bryson Stott has hit well for them. Bohm has hit well for them. They've had a nice long lineup. They haven't scored runs while doing it. I think all seven of Schwarber's homers, for example, are solo homers. And then the more concerning thing is on the night that Harper came back, they got blown out. They lost, I think, 13 to one. It was the second straight day that Cody Clemens came in. Like we knew his dad back when, right? We were watching, used to watching Roger Clemens pitch. A position player, Cody Clemens, has wrapped up the last two days. We both think the Philly offense is going to be fine. Do we think the Philly pitching is going to be good enough to hang with the, I know you do because you like this team a lot, the Mets and the Braves, and ultimately make a kind of run like they made last year? Well, I think they can hang with the Mets. We've already talked about the concerns about the Mets. Whether they can hang with the Braves, we'll, we'll see on that one. Yeah, Cody Clemens, I don't know if you watched it. It did not look like his father pitching. I know he's a, a – Most people in the history of the game have not looked like his father. He looked, but he looked like you and me pitching. I, I mean, he was just lobbing it in there. Uh, he, he is a talented hitter with some power. So, uh, you know, he's a legit major league player. But uh, I, I don't even – I'm tired of these position players pitching – uh, I'm not in favor, and I understand we have rules now that prevents it from happening too much, and it's not good when it happens a lot. I, it's not even a curiosity anymore. I think it's just a waste of time, but it's probably good for the hitters who are in the box and have a chance to hit a home run. But, uh, I, yeah, I feel this team is going to be very, very good. I'm not worried about it. Uh, Nola's been one of the most dependable pitchers in baseball. Zach Wheeler, uh, in, you know, not only a top starter, he's an innings eater as well. I think Suarez, once he gets healthy, very talented. I think Taiwan Walker is solid. 
Um, you know, if Painter could come back, I mean, that's the X factor. This guy throwing 100 miles an hour at age 19, uh, he's number one. So, you know, things can change quickly if he comes back. Yeah, I think the good news for the Phillies, John, is that early in the season, it looked like maybe Nola Wheeler and Chris Suarez was hurt, had like a little bit of that extra month pitching hangover. But Nola and Wheeler look like they've straightened it out and they do have Suarez back in the rotation. I'm with you. I think Taiwan Walker will eventually be a number four starter, you know, four ERA guy who beats up five, six innings to start, which will help. And I do think Painter is the uh, X factor. And I think the Phillies could be fine. John, the other team in Pennsylvania, the one the Phillies share the state with, the Pirates are in first place early in this season. One of the surprises of the year. And coming up next is their general manager, Ben Sherrington, to talk about that club. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman, and we're pleased to be joined uh, by Ben Sherrington, the general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. The, at the moment we're speaking here, 20 and 10 first place Pittsburgh Pirates, which is one of the big surprises of the first month of the season. Ben, thanks for joining us. And look, you've been involved with very good teams, including a championship team in Boston. So I assume you'd know it if you saw it. Are you seeing it? Are the Pittsburgh Pirates of 2023 actually a good contending team? Well, we set out to improve this offseason. I, I think it's legitimate that we have done that. Um, it is early. Obviously, we respect the length of the season. We've played one month of good baseball. We need to keep doing that. We've uh, we've played the team game pretty well. And so if you want to draw parallels to teams that are good for seven months and not just one month, uh, we're doing some things that uh, I think good teams do. We're running the base as well. We're executing fundamentally pretty well. We're controlling the strike zone pretty well on, on both sides of the ball. So some of that's been encouraging. Uh, we've had some individual players step up. Um, Dealt with a little adversity already with O'Neill Cruz going down. Uh, Rodolfo Castro stepped up and, and done a good job in his place. So we, we got some encouraging signs, but uh, a long way to go. And, and you know, Sheltie talks about it all the time. We just try to stay in the moment every day. Ben, don't, don't go by me because my predictions are notoriously terrible. Uh, I thought you were a fourth place team coming in. Uh, are you at least a little surprised to be, I mean, 20 and 10 and then, over a recent 15 game stretch 100 to 45 run differential so you were you were crushing teams uh, a little surprised at least well you were more generous to us than uh, many others that I saw season so um you know i yeah i think i think we 
coming out of spring training, what we saw right away when we got to, we actually lost two of the first three in Cincinnati, that first series. Uh, but what we saw right away is the team really started to, to seem like they liked to play with each other and started to respond to each other. So, you know, you could see it on the bench and, you know, guys kind of handing the baton and, you know, take your walk, pass, pass it to the next guy, that, that type of stuff started to happen. And then on the pitching side, we've been, we, we needed to just get it, be in the strike zone more, you know, compared to last year, we we're walking too many guys. That was a big emphasis in spring training. Both of those things started to happen um, even early on in the schedule. So we thought we could play better baseball. Um, we played, we played really well during that stretch of games here referring to um and of course you everyone's got to play the schedule so we we go in and get the got the Rays in St. Pete right now Toronto back home this weekend so uh we'll be tested here in the next few days but our, our guys like to play with each other Ben and I wonder do even early in the season do you allow yourself to kind of look at the the division I think when John was talking about his predictions I'm sure most people pick the Cardinals to win your division. And as we're talking, you're 20 and 10, they're 10 and 20. Do you feel that's indicative of the division this year? And do you think it's really opened up? It's wide open for somebody to step in like your team and maybe surprise us and win the NL Central. We do think the NL Central is is pretty tightly packed together. Um, obviously, you know, there's all kinds of projection systems out there. We have our own. Um, even prior to the season, uh, we saw the division as relatively packed together compared to some others and that's just gotten probably even more packed together uh, now that we're a month into the season so i you know we do expect it to remain competitive um the cardinals have a ton of talent they're, they're bound to bounce back and get on a roll um i think every every team in the division is capable of doing that and you know what's the you know the saying you know you take you take the first two months to figure out what your team is and in the middle two months to try to solve some things in the last two months to sit back and watch. I'm not sure it's exactly like that, but um, you know, we, we need a little bit more time. I think, I think all the teams need a little bit more time to figure out exactly where we are. Since you brought it up, what was your projection according to your computer? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not sure I'm supposed to share that, but it probably wasn't far off from yours. <laughs> oh, really? All right. Well, good for you for doing uh, doing this. Well, you know, what I want to ask you is a little bit longer question is uh, you're good with words. And I like the couple of words that you put together in, in the athletic story. I, I think you mentioned it said in that story. I, I'm not sure if this is true, but I read it in the story that the Pirates haven't won a, a playoff round since the 1979. Uh, we are a family team that won the World Series. But uh, you use the words cumulative trauma to uh, describe what the fans have gone through. Uh, you think the fans are feeling a lot better now? And uh, do you stand by that characterization? I I, enjoyed, I liked it, but uh, it was very honest. Well, yeah, I think one of the things that when I, when I, when I was fortunate to get the job late in 2019, I, I knew enough about where the team was and, and what the, what the, and what the, what the, the sort of historical significance that the Pirates have in baseball and, and what the team means to the game broadly. Um, but of course I'd never spent much time in Pittsburgh, never lived in Pittsburgh. So now I've had a chance to do that. I think I understand more about our fans, um, this city, what it means to the city. And my experience with our fans has been that they're both, you know, appropriately and understandably, you know, frustrated from, uh, lots of difficult times. And, and you know, we hear that frustration. I hear that frustration in different ways. But at the same time, they are so um, 
they, they so desire to want something to believe in, something to grab onto. And so when they see it, um, and sometimes it's a win, but sometimes it's just even, you know, a single player doing something uh, special or effort or, you know, just even directionally something that they can they can grab onto and believe in. Um, they want to believe they want to be uh, proud of the Pirates so much that they, they come back and grab on very quickly. Um, so we're seeing both sides of that. Uh, and our, I've, I've experienced both sides of that. So it, it's a um, there, there is frustration there, um, but just this desire to grab on and believe and that that's actually really motivating for us. You know, we want to we want to deliver something uh, to our fans that they can believe in. Um, so we so we try to work. It keeps us working hard every day to try to do that. And of course, not just improve and get to winning, but be able to sustain that. Well, you used words like sustain and uh, ways to maybe get through cumulative trauma that John likes so much. I'm sure one of those ways is to keep your best players. And one of the big pieces of news early in the season is you signed the first ever $100 million plus contract with Brian Reynolds. I wonder if you could take us through the navigation at least a little bit, because there were times it looked like it was going to happen, then not happen, and just what it means culturally and globally for an organization like the Pirates to make this kind of commitment. Yeah, well, it's 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 a it's a process that's really started um, in the spring of 2020 before COVID is when we first opened that door to a conversation with Brian. And it's um, been cracked or opened at different points since then, uh, pro probably in a more focused way since uh, late in the season last year, September of uh, 22. Um, you know, we collectively decided to open the door again and then of course, um, sort of navigated through a bunch of stuff this winter. You referenced that there were some uh, there were some days where it did not look like it was going to happen, and some we had to get through some tough days as as part of the process. But um, I think I've said this before in other forums, I think, but it was really just Brian Reynolds who kept everyone back. You know, bring, bringing everyone back to the table from our perspective. That's because we really trust Brian Reynolds and, you know, in, in a really simple way, that's what you're looking for with players is, you know, players that you trust and we trust Brian Reynolds. We trust him because of what he does on the field, what he has done. We trust because of his work ethic and, you know, he's, he's still, he's trying to get better every day at everything. We trust him because of the choices he makes on and off the field. Um, and he just, he just kept bringing everyone back to the table. And, and, and once, so when that happens, if you have enough time and you're willing to, you know, spend enough time on it, you got a chance to eventually get there. And we were fortunate that we did. Yeah, you know, one thing I kept hearing through those negotiations was that he wanted to be in Pittsburgh. And ultimately, I, I think that's pretty believable with the contract that he did sign a long deal without the opt out. Um, I know at one point they had demanded a trade, which is, an, you know, certainly part of any negotiation. Nothing wrong with that even though it did appear to, I'm sure you knew it as well as I do, that he preferred to stay. Uh, I wanted to know, because certainly the Yankees were one of the teams, I think, involved. Uh, Miami at one point, I'm sure there were many teams involved. Uh, you know, obviously, as always happens with these talks, uh, some teams suggested that you were asking for the moon. And obviously, he's a great player. We had three years to go, so maybe the moon was the appropriate ask. Um, did you ever come close to dealing him? Did anybody really step forward and give you something to think about? I wouldn't say we were ever particularly close, like over over the course of, um, you know, really three years. He, he's a good player, obviously. And, and, and given the situation we were going through, it's not surprising that 
Uh, a lot of teams had interest. A lot of teams called. We did have conversations with a lot of teams over a period of time. Uh, we were always hoping in the back of our minds that extension was the path we would go down as opposed to trade. But until you have an extension, of course, you don't know if you're going to get it. So you've got to um, you got to be open to the other paths. Um, and so we remained open, but I don't think we ever got particularly close. I know it was um, said publicly that, you know, we were asking for this and that. And um, it, it's true. We held a high bar. I, I think it's, you know, I, I think we I think we were certainly um, trying to act professionally with teams and, and you know, we exchanged information and then um, it just we just never lined up in a way that we thought made sense, given where given where we were um, and, and every, respect every team to make those determinations. But um, we, you know, we, 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 there's three, basically what, anytime you have a player in that situation, you have sort of three paths you can go down. There's, there's just do nothing and stay year to year. And that's, that's a path and there's nothing wrong with that path. That, that works perfectly well in a lot of cases. Uh, there's the trade path. And sometimes that makes sense if it lines up and then there's the extension path. And we, we kept open to all three paths, but um, I told, I've told people before, I told, I've told, told Brian repeatedly over time that our first choice was the extension path. Um, and we were, we were ultimately able to get there. Uh, ben, you clearly signed a contract. Did you do anything more? Is there a statement here? Is there something about culture? Is there something about a new door opening up for the Pirates in their future when you make this kind of commitment in your market? Well, you know, Brian was already obviously on the teams. We didn't add a player, but what we did add is I think some clarity, um, certainly short-term clarity about, um, you know, one of the you know most stable parts of the team is going to be on the team. And, um, and, and, and one of the best parts of the team is going to be on the team. And I think it helps clarify the other things we have to keep doing to get better. Um, some of which certainly is, you know, guys who are already here continuing to improve and, uh, be part of what we're building, but what, even if even if we're talking about other other things we might other players we might need, um, whether it's this year or down the road, it just helps clear that up. I think for everybody, um, hopefully, and I, I believe it, it's certainly the case that uh, our players, both at the major league level and minor league, can look at this and say, "Oh, that's there's a player who's not just good, but we know him well enough to know he does the right stuff. Uh, you know, he's incredibly reliable, stable." Uh, works his tail off, um, and you know he's a, he's the type of player the Pirates want, and we want more of those. You know, even before the warm and fuzzy Drew Maggi story that I think I like better than Joel, uh, there was the Andrew McCutcheon uh, return to Pittsburgh story, which is also warm and fuzzy. Uh, the rumor is that his wife kind of triggered this. How did this come about, and what does he bring to the party for you guys? Um, it came about because, well, I, I think really, again, I'll go, I, I, I can't speak to the conversations that Andrew was having with his wife, but um, what I know is that Andrew really wanted to come back. And from our perspective, at least in baseball, speaking for baseball operations, given Andrew's importance to the Pirates, his, his, his legacy as a Pirate, and the fact he still lives in Pittsburgh, I just, I didn't want to tease that until we were really sure that that we had an opportunity that we could go forward with an offer and make it real. Um, just didn't, didn't want to disrespect him until we were really ready to put something down formally. We got to the point in this off season where we were able to do that. Fortunately, he was still a free agent at the time where we got to that, when we got to that point. 
Um, and once we did, it came, it came together very quickly because Andrew wanted to be here. And I think I underestimated the impact. Of course, I wasn't here when he was going through the, the heights of his success before I you know, obviously was watching that from a distance and had some idea what he meant. But um, I think I even underestimated the impact it would have uh, and the, the, the way our, our fans have, have <laughs> responded to it has been, and just the whole city has responded to it, it's pretty remarkable. And um, par partly that's because of how good he was. I think it's got to be partly because of how clear it is, clear it was that he really wanted this, that it was you know, genuinely personal for him to come back. The fact that he still lives in Pittsburgh, he's made it his home, you know, helps yinzers like yinzers <laughs> so um, so it's it's just been it's been a great thing and and i i underestimated it probably the the off-field part of it i underestimated probably even by some degree you know ben it's been mainly uh mccutcheon other your veterans the record a very sunshiny start to the season you know J john pointed out that i was probably not the drew Maggi guy so i probably have to do the rain the rain thing which is O'Neill Cruz, who was such an important part of your present and future of the team and looked like he had made some real strides in those first few weeks, strike zone discipline. How uh, problematic to your development that he's going to miss uh, a good chunk of the season? And are you getting him back at some point? Is he going to be part of this if you're in the race late? Yeah. Well, yeah, that, that, losing O'Neill has been you know, the biggest piece of adversity we've we've hit so far. Uh, I'm sure it won't be the last piece of adversity we hit. Um, but he's... Uh, he is going to return. It's a broken bone. The bone is going to heal and he's going to return. We expect he will return to the major leagues in 2023. Um, but he's got a, he's got a good road ahead of him and recovery. He's um, going to be non weight, weight bearing here for uh, a while longer. And then he's, he's going to have to go through a full baseball progression and all that. And um, given how he's attacked every other challenge that's been put in front of him, last couple of years uh i really believe he will attack the rehab well and he'll recover from this and he's gonna put himself back in a spot to help us in 2023 i really believe that um but of course it's a tough break and it's a it's a it's a real injury no doubt and um won't be an easy one to come back from uh so we'll help him in any way can i i agree that he was making real progress um he was you know the the stat cast stuff is is fun to watch and makes him exceptionally exciting and makes the upside you know really really high but he was starting to do the things that kind of come in between the stack ass moments the you know the better swing decisions and just more consistent defensive play and um just really focused pitch to pitch and uh it was fun to see the start so we'll, we'll, we'll be anxious to get him back maybe maybe this is old news but joel and i are doing this from new york and this is for the new york post so uh, we're very sensitive new yorkers here uh i do want to ask you you were a logical candidate for the mets uh gm spot at one point i think they pursued you and ultimately you i don't think you pursued it and you obviously took the job in pittsburgh you'd won in boston a world series so you're obviously not afraid of a big market uh just curious why you decided to take Pittsburgh's job and, and not pursue the Mets job. Well, I it, full, really respect the Mets. First of all, it's, it's, a, it's an incredible, it's incredible city. First of all, uh, a great franchise and an incredible city and a, and a great opportunity. Um, I can't speak to, you know, <laughs> to that particular situation, but I can speak to the, the pirate situation. And 
let's say that the, 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 I think it was two bait, two things basically that made the pirates opportunity so attractive. Um, part of it was timing and, and, and feeling like I had gotten a chance to, um, have the Red Sox experience, learn from that, certainly made mistakes there and go to Toronto and sort of learn all over again with a great group of people. And the timing of the Pirates opportunity came up, came around at a point where I, I thought I was ready again. I thought I was more ready, you know, hopefully more ready the second time around. Um, and so the timing was really good. The specifics of the Pirates situation, um, were the second part of it. And it's probably, is probably about just self-awareness of knowing who you are and, um, you know, what opportunity is the right one for you and what opportunity is not the right one for you. Um, but I just felt like what I, the things that I'm, uh, bring to bring to the job and the things that I feel like I can do well. And, and also the things that I'm not as good at, uh, fit particularly well for this situation. and just felt like a good, match and so I, w I still wasn't taking anything for granted obviously i was didn't assume anything but um wanted this job once it became open and i knew i had a chance to interview for it and fortunately i, I got a chance to get it you know ben uh as a way to wrap up here I, I was looking at your team from a distance obviously and trying to figure out how do you get to 20 and 10 and there's a lot of obvious ways your outfield has been one of the most productive outfields in the sport your top couple of starters, a uh, couple of guys maybe you've acquired along the way have really seemed to break out, plus Keller, a homegrown guy. But one thing really stuck out because we talked so much about the new rules this year. You have six more stolen bases than any other team. You're not a big home run team. You're a middle-of-the-pack home run team. I'm wondering if you could frame this about, like, is this just the beginning for both the Pirates and baseball, and are stolen bases just going to keep going up and be a, just a big part of the Pirates the rest of this year and moving forward? Well, we definitely – you know, identified that as, as what we hoped would be an opportunity coming into spring training. We knew the rules was going to be on the other side. We knew we had, we thought we had guys that could take advantage of those opportunities. Um, and the new rules might enhance those opportunities. So we were definitely focused on that coming into spring training, practicing a lot during spring training. Tark Brock, our first base coach who kind of handles our base dealing is, uh, really, really knowledgeable and on top of everything and, and helping guys get in a good spot. It hasn't just been G1 Bay. It's been, you know, Carlos, Carlos Santana, I think, has three bags. And we've had kind of everyone across the spectrum has, has, has taken their shots. So it's been a big part of our success and kind of a bit of our identity, I think, as, as a position player group. Um, we think that can continue. I think that we're all in the same boat. None of us know exactly how the game will evolve as as teams adjust to the new rules as we get deeper into the season. I would expect that there will be stolen base opportunities, you know, even further into the season. I'm also sure that teams are teams are competitive and smart and going to continue to find ways to defend that and we'll have to adjust ourselves. Well, one month into the season, the Pittsburgh Pirates are competitive. I'm sure it's because they're smart. And I'm sure you have a lot to do with it, Ben. Ben Sherrington, general manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, John and I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Good luck.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. John, we get to play our weekly game, hit or error. What do you got? It's a big error, and it's on me for my predictions at the beginning of the year. I understand we have surprise teams, but I am doing especially awful. Right now, I've got only three teams that I picked for the playoffs that would be in the playoffs, the Braves, the the Dodgers, and the Jays. Other than that, it's a complete whiff. I know there's surprises, but I've got to do better than that. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the teams I think I, I'll, I'll just take as an error, even as we're speaking, the White Sox have had a couple of comeback uh, victories at the end of games. The last two games they played, uh, you know, over the weekend against Tampa Bay and then against Minnesota. Andrew Benatendi, who you mentioned earlier in the show, had a big hit uh, to, to win a game. They still are, feel even in a division where nobody will run away. John, a manager later, a year later, they're just still bad at baseball. Their pitchers walk too many guys. Their hitters don't walk. Their defense is really full of holes all over the place. It feels like the concentration isn't there day to day. They don't play baseball well. And they, it feels like an error has been wasted there. Like, you know, they they brought in Moncada and Jimenez and Tim Anderson and Luis Robert. And it just feels like it's never going to fully fire. You said it, the concentration, their defense has just been terrible. Uh, they weren't one of the teams that I picked in the playoffs. I did say they'd be improved over their 81 and 81. I, I did think it would be better under Grafal. It has not been to this point. I looked at him as a disciplinarian. I heard he was detail-oriented. Uh, there, there is no details going on with the White Sox. They're not, the big picture is bad. They're not looking good at all. And uh, it's shocking. Looking at that team, I thought they had five viable starters. They obviously have a nucleus that looks pretty good. The injuries haven't helped. They were 3-15, three and, three and 15, I believe, with uh, Anderson out. So that's not good. But the injuries are not excuse, an excuse because they do not look like they're paying attention some of the time. Yeah, they, they feel like they're talent in search of a team. And then the question is, do they become a seller at the deadline? And if they do, do they do the one that would really shake it up a little and move Dylan Cease? It's a question that we'll answer. Yeah, I agree with you. I shake it ahead. I don't no, think no, no, no. I'm with, I'm with you, John. But but I'm trying to tease for the rest of the year. All right, sorry. Listen to the show, a podcast from the New York Post. Thanks, as always, for getting us through this to our producers, uh, Andrew Hartz and Jake Brown. Don't forget that the show drops on the Yes app. I believe it will be about noon on Thursday this week. It's usually noon on Wednesday each week. Uh, don't forget uh, to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. And please give us a five-star rating and stick with us all season on the show with Joel Sherman and John Hayman.